Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. I want to tell you a couple of things. First of all, there was a man who climbed up on a mountain to get closer to God. And uh, he's seeking God. And he talks God. He talks to God and he asks, God, what, what does a million years mean to you? And God answered him. And the Lord replied, said, well, a million years is like a minute to me. So the guy said, so a million dollars is like a minute to you. And God says, yep, that's right. He says, okay, can I have a million dollars? And the Lord says, yep, in a minute. (laughs) Barbara Martin has a YouTube channel. She asked me to let you know about that. Uh, She's been uh, threatened to be kicked off of Facebook or YouTube. I think that's a good thing in these days, isn't it? So you're doing something right, Barbara, so God bless you for that. So she has a YouTube channel. Be sure to look it up. It's a good prophetic word for the day, so be sure to look that up. Amen. All right. Well, I have a message that uh, the Lord laid on my heart I want to share with you today, and thank you for being here. And uh, the message is uh, really a question, and the question uh, is, are you taking heaven seriously. This is what I've been asking myself lately this week. Uh, Am I taking heaven seriously? The subject we've been on since uh, January has been the subject of heaven, and that's the reason for the backdrop behind us, and we're called heaven is our home. Uh, The Bible tells us so many things about it. It says, set your mind on things above in heaven where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, And don't set your mind on the things of the earth. And then seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things here on earth will be added to you. So our number one priority as citizens of heaven is to set our minds on the things above where where the Lord is. And, And Jesus was talking to a whole crowd of people that were following him. Some were... Uh, interested in him and trying to find out more about him. Some believed in him as Lord and Savior. And he had a very powerful message to them in Matthew chapter 6. And he said these words to the people that were following him. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. And then very powerfully, he says these words, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So if you're going to heaven, your heart should already be there. Your treasure should already be there. If you're going to heaven... One of the signs, one of the markers would be your heart's already there. You know, this world's not your home. Things don't always work out for you here. But this is not home. This is not the final. This is not the end. We have home. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, do not. It's a strong command to me and to you, a strong command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth. The temporary place. Things that are going to perish. Things are going to rust. They're gone. Moss eat them. They're gone. Thieves break in and steal. It's gone. Don't store your, your most valuable treasures here on earth. This is not where you store them. I don't know if you remember when I was growing up, there was a very popular show, Sanford and Son. You remember that show? And Fred and, and Lamont, you know, and they were, they were junk collectors. And Fred would say something like, you know, uh, Lamont, you don't realize it, but one day I'm going to leave all my empire to you. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of people live. A lot of people think that, that their kids are going to be so blessed and their grandkids are going to leave all their empire, which really is nothing more. When you compare heaven's treasures with earth's treasures, it's nothing but junk. And if you're not careful here in this life, you can get caught up in just taking care of things and you become a maintenance man. You spend all your valuable time just taking care of the things that are going to perish. You know, you maintain them, you look after them, you spend your time on them and so forth. If you're not careful, you just become a junk collector of stuff that's going to perish. And Jesus said, we have treasures in heaven. Our treasure is to be in heaven. So the question is, what does God mean by treasure? What does God treasure? What's a treasure to God? I think you know the answer. And the answer is people. God treasures people. God treasures you. You may not feel like it, but God treasures you. He's watched you from a child. He watched you when you were in your mother's womb. He's had plans for your life. He treasures you. You're valuable to him. You're the apple of his eye. You're, you're his treasure. And the old saying is true. We have to remind ourselves, you only get one walk through the garden here. You only get one chance on this earth to, to spend your life, you know. And you've got to decide, what am I doing while I'm here? Look at, take a good, hard look at your life. Am I a junk collector? Am I just collecting things to make me feel more secure here in this earth when this earth is not my final home? Or am I collecting treasures for heaven that is my final home? See, the danger of deception is this. Jesus said, for where your treasure is right now, that's where your heart is. So the good question is, what makes you think you're going to heaven if your heart's not already there? My heart is already to be in heaven. I'm to value the things that God values. I'm to value the things that are going to go, go in heaven. And if your heart's not already there, what makes you really think that you're going to heaven? I meet people all the time and... I've had the privilege in, in my lifetime to be able to, to lead, by the grace of God, people to know the Lord and to have a, a personal relationship with Him. It's just, it's my bread and butter. It's what I love to do. 
I don't think that I'm an evangelist in the office of an evangelist, but we all are to do the work of an evangelist. And I share, I love sharing the gospel with people. I love seeing the lights come on in their eyes when, when they finally get it. It's a revelation from the Lord when they see and they receive Jesus. I just love that. There, there's no greater thrill in my life, really, than to, to, to have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and they get it and they receive Jesus. That's just the thrill of my life. And I can't tell you, I don't think, I could probably count on one hand the number of times that I've shared the gospel with people who did not have some kind of religious background already. 99.9% of the people I shared the gospel with and have shared the Lord with and they've received, the God, received Jesus, they have already had a religious background. They've had some religious training. They've had some religious experience. They've gone to church. They've served in church or whatever. They've had religious experience, but they were not born again. They didn't really know the gospel. They believed in God. They may have prayed to God. They talked to God. But they weren't born of the Spirit of God. That's the deception. Religion, it can be a very dangerous thing. It can be very deceptive. It can be a tool that the devil uses to deceive people. Jesus went on in the Sermon on the Mount. And the next verse, the next words he said in verse 22, he said... The light of the body is your eye. And if your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is evil, meaning not focused, your whole body will be darkness. The word evil there means darkened, means not focused on the main thing. If your eye is not focused, if your eye is not single upon the Lord and His kingdom, your eye is evil. It's deceiving you. It's distracting. There's so many distractions in this world. You know the story that when Jesus came walking to the disciples during a storm, by the way, in the night, and Peter saw Him, and Peter asked if he could come to Jesus, and Jesus said, come, and Peter got out of the boat, and he began to walk toward the Lord, but then it says he began to sink. What happened? His eye was no longer single. His eye was distracted on the storm, on the winds and the waves. His eye was no longer single, and he began to sink. He didn't just plop down in the water. It was a process. Some of you may be beginning to sink in your relationship with God because you're so distracted by other things right now that are choking out the Word of God and choking out the number one thing is your relationship with God. That's your number one relationship. More important than your marriage. More important than your kids, your grandkids. They're important, but they're not more important than God. Your eyes have to stay focused on God. That's why you're here. You only got one walk through the garden. You've only got a little bit of time left on this earth. You got to stay single focused. And how many of you would say you already have found out this next statement is true? You already know it. Life is empty without Jesus. 
How many of you have found that out? That, I found that out a long time ago. Because I've tried it. It's empty. There's nothing that can take the place of the Lord being on the throne of your heart. And on your heart, there is a throne, I say. It's a single seater. You can't sit on it. And Jesus, it's got to be him. And so that's why Jesus went on in his next statement. And he's saying this to people who believe in him, who people who are following him, but yet they're in this world of distractions. And Jesus says to them, look, you guys have got to make a serious choice. He says, no man can serve two masters. You have to make a serious choice. Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Now. Right now. I thank God for the privilege of being a pastor, being able to preach to people. I thank God that you show up and put up with me and tolerate me and uh, maybe find me amusing or crazy or whatever. I thank God for the privilege every time I have opportunity to stand before people and talk about the Lord. Because that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to do this. God has anointed me to do it. He called me to do it. And I have a great concern that there are a lot of people, even under, in our, maybe in our church or in this, and on the Internet, that are watching regularly, that uh, believe in God and are religious but still not born again. That concerns me. And that question is so important. Are you really taking heaven seriously, Gary? Are you? And I never get tired of giving an invitation, and like Pam did a moment ago, for people to receive the Lord. But I don't want you to think it's just, oh, a little quick flippant prayer, and you say this, and, and you're good. It, that's That's religious. It's entering a relationship that is lifelong. It's eternal. And there must be a time in your life where you receive the Lord Jesus. And you must be able to look at that and say, my life began to change at that moment. I'm not perfect. I still have issues. But the real change moment of my life began the moment I began a relationship with Jesus. Can you look back in your life and think of a time where that, that's, when things, that's when things started to change? Three of life's most important questions. Three of life's most important questions. Number one is this. Are you certain? Are you sure that you're going to heaven? How sad it would be for us to have a service today. And you come through a church service without being challenged or questioned, are you really going to heaven? And then you die next week. 
and you find out, no, I wasn't saved. I was religious, or I was going to church to please my wife, or, uh, you know, I just did it because it's just what I, the way I was raised, but you weren't born again. I'm always bothered when I ask people, I say, you know, or do you know for sure that you're born again? And they say, I hope so. I know instantly there's no faith in that. You can't be saved if you don't have faith. You either believe God or you don't believe God. It's a yes or a no answer. It can't be any gray area. Now, if you struggle with salvation and, and you really are saved and you struggle, there could be a lot of reasons for that. You're playing around with things you shouldn't be playing around with or you're not growing in the Lord or you're, you don't know the word and things like that. I understand. But to live that way is just to, to waste time. God says in his word something that's so abundantly clear in 1 John it's one of the first scriptures I, I memorized after I got born again. It says, this is the testimony in 1 John 5, 11, that God has given us eternal life. And eternal life is not just living forever. It's the life of God that does live forever. And this life is in his son. And whoever has the son has life. Whoever doesn't have the son doesn't have life. And then he says, I write these things to you, the Bible, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, you may know, you have, right now, the life of God that lives forever and ever in heaven. I write these things so you can know. I don't want you to live down here on earth with uncertainty because you'll never live the full life. I want you to live with assurance and with the confidence. You're a citizen in heaven. Your name is in heaven. You put your treasure in heaven because that's your home. I want you to know. And when you know that you know, there's a confidence and a boldness it comes in your life for you to be able to share that with the people you love who don't know. John 1.12, listen to this. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Notice, those who receive him. <clears throat> I stress this word. Because somehow religion can teach you things like, well, all you got to do is believe. Yet this scripture says receive. The Bible says demons in hell believe and they tremble. So you could believe in God like I used to believe in God when I was a teenager and I got baptized three times because I thought I'd accumulated enough sins that I need to go get baptized again. And I did that over and over because that's all I knew. I believed in God. But I knew I didn't have any assurance I was going to heaven. I was scared that I was going to die and go to hell. Until someone shared the gospel with me. And I saw where I was to put my faith was not in my performance or my behavior or my lack of behavior. 
or getting baptized, but put my faith and trust in what God did, and that was the final act that settled all matters once and for all. And when he said it's finished, it's finished. It was paid in full, regardless of anything else. And so we have to ask the question, folks, and we need to know with clarity in this crazy world we're living in that tells, it tells you there's a million ways to get to know God, there's a million ways to be saved, we have to stand up in the truth and speak, no, that's not what Jesus said. Who's going to be in heaven? Jesus said, Mark 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no one gets to the Father or gets to heaven but by me. Now, you either believe that or you don't. That's what Jesus said. This is critical stuff. The Lord's going after somebody's soul today because you've been deceived. The scariest, the most frightening text in the Bible to me is this next verse of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7. This ought, to, this ought to shake everybody because Jesus said this to the multitudes. And he said these words, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many, everybody say many, many. will say to me, On that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And in your name we did many wonderful works. But I'll declare unto them, I never knew you. And what they would call good works, Jesus calls evil. How could you prophesy in Jesus' name and not be prophesied? How could you, could it be possible, you, you're casting out demons, you think you're casting out demons, but you're not casting out demons. Could it be possible that you're doing great works and, 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 and you see great things happening and it really not be God? The Lord is pointing out the possibility of tremendous religious deception. Tremendous religious deception. These are people in ministry who are deceived by the devil, the master deceiver who is deceived by the devil and thinking they're doing things in the name of the Lord. And Jesus said, I never knew you. That's the most frightening verse in the Bible to me. That's the shake-up. The wake-up. And again, 99.9% of the people I've ever had the privilege of sharing the gospel with and leading them to to pray and receive the Lord in their life, they've all had a religious background. They've already been in church. They were doing things in church. They'd usually tell me their resume, the things. I was an altar boy. I did this. I did this. I did this. And some even in ministry. 
I've met ministers. I remember talking to a, a minister on a plane one time. And I was asking him about his church and trying to find out about a little bit about his theology. And I said, do you, do you preach about, you know, this being born again? And, and he said, oh, no, we don't preach that. He's a minister. But the majority of people have a religious background. They have a church background. And if you ask them, do you know God? Yeah, I know God. Yeah, I know God. And then they begin to rattle off. I've done this. I've done it. I was baptized. I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. Just this week, my granddaughter called me Friday. She works at a hospital as like a CNA in a hospital. And working at this hospital, she called me on the phone, and I said, Hey, honey. And she said, Papa, there's a, there's a patient I have here that um, he, he wants to get right with God. He may not have long to live. He wants to get right with God. Can you talk to him? He, he can't. He's got a respirator in his thing in his uh, throat, I guess, and he can barely talk. But can you talk to him? T-? I said, yeah. I said, put him on speaker and told me his name. His name is Dino. And uh, I said, hey, Dino. I said, uh, my granddaughter tells me that you want to know how to be right with God. Uh, you may not have long to live, and that's a good thing that you want to be right with God. I'm going to tell you the real short version how to be right with God. And I just went to one verse of Scripture. If you don't have a lot of time, you go to one verse of Scripture, and that's Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The Bible said, makes it very clear. God said in His Word through the Apostle Paul, He said, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus, the one who died on the cross for your sins, He raised Him from the dead, and He's alive right now, and you confess with your mouth that He is now your Lord, the one you're trusting in, your only Savior, your God. God says you'll be saved. So I told him that scripture, and I said, you've got to confess that with your mouth. I know you can't speak out loud right now, but just speak it out with your mouth. Confess Jesus. So you, you pray that out loud. I led him in that prayer, and he prayed that prayer. And I couldn't hear him. I said, Mariah, did he? She said, yeah. He, he said it. I heard him, you know. And I, and I told him, I said, Dino, you you." Let me ask you a question. You just prayed and asked God to save you. Did, did he save you? Did he do what he said he would do if you did what you did? And she said, he said yes. So over the phone, here's a man I'd never met before in my life. He prays. He receives Jesus like that. His background was Roman Catholic. He already had a background. But he had no assurance. He didn't have any confidence. He didn't put his trust in his background. He wasn't going to go up to heaven and say, God, I'm a Roman Catholic. I know I have a seat here somewhere. No, no. He knew better than that. And when it comes to it, you're going to be at death's door. You're not going to trust it. I was a member of Grace Tabernacle. I was faithful. I had perfect attendance. I was a tither, God. I baptized a hundred times. You're not going to trust in those things. Do you have a relationship? Have I been born again the way God said I need to be born again? 
My question to everybody here, and the sound of my voice and those on the internet, do you have assurance right now that you're born again, that you are right with God because of the blood of Jesus? And you've received him as your Lord. It's either yes or no. And a no means you need to be saved. It's not condemnation on you. It's, 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 a, it's a revealer. I need to be saved. I need to be born. Someone had to reveal that to me. Are you certain you're going to heaven? I want to show you a picture of this guy. His name is Dino. I want to ask you to take a moment to pray for him. There he is right there. Let me tell you what happened to him. He's 46 years old. He was a construction worker. He was working on a house. Somehow he got a bacterial infection. He's now a quadriplegic. He was healthy one day and lost it all in one day. And now he's at death's door. Healthy. Full of life. Has a little boy. Has family. Working. Got a bacterial infection. Now he's quadriplegic. That's why Jesus said, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Don't gamble. His name is Dino. And I want you to, uh, and I, I prayed for his healing to manifest his healing. And I talked to him about healing, and he believed God He believed God could save him. And I said, with the same faith God can save you, the same faith God's going to heal you, and you're going to get better day by day. And, and he's at a, a hospital that pretty much gives us, this is your last stop. He needs a miracle. And I told him, I said, you're going to come back one day and stand in my church and give a testimony. <laughs> and he said he would. I said, all right. So I told him, I said, I'm going to ask my church, I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to ask my church to pray for you today, for your miracle that would absolutely blow all the doctors and nurses out of the water. They'd just go, we ain't ever seen anything like this. So would you pray, take a moment right now, all of you together, one in unity, and pray for Dino right now. Here he is. Pray for him. Let him, lift him up off that bed, God, the miracle, the miracle, just like you, through Peter, you lifted up the lame man, been lame from, just lift him up, Lord, strength come into his legs and his limbs, and he began to move and began to talk, and the doctors see such a rapid recovery, we take that respirator off of him, he began to move around, and Lord, the strength come into his body, all for the glory of God, not my glory, but your glory, sir, because the world needs to see more of your incredible miracles that only you can do God no no man can do this only you can do it and we look to you and the church is all in agreement and we pray amen 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 quickly life's most important questions number one are you certain you're going to heaven you have to have an answer to that Second question, do your current priorities reveal an eternal or temporal focus? Since we're talking about heaven and God says, set your mind on things above. This is where you're going. This is where you're headed. This is my goal for you. You're going to heaven one day. It's going to be, it's going to be glorious. But right now, while you're here on earth, your mindset needs to be heaven. Your mindset doesn't need to be what the world news tonight says and, 
what you think is going to happen next and, and all this kind of stuff, but you need to, you need to be focused on, on the eternal. Apostle Paul said this. He said, follow my example and keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For I tell you with tears that many, lie, li- many live as example, as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction. He's talking about people in the church. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship's in heaven. Is it? Is your, is your heart really set on eternal things? Let me ask you a question. You have people you know. You're close enough with you can talk to. You're personally acquainted with that you could actually ask some very serious questions like, Fred, I'm concerned about you. You've been my friend for a long time, and I should have talked to you about this sooner, but I've, I want to know. When you die, are you going to go to heaven? And if he says, oh, yeah, then ask him, how do you know that? And he's either going to give you a works answer, which is, well, I'm a good person, and I've done this, and I've done this, and done that, which is the wrong answer. Or he's going to give you the grace answer, which is, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the forgiveness of all my sin. You know people. You have grandchildren you haven't talked to about heaven. You have family members. Are there people you care about? You care about them enough to ask them about their eternal destiny. See, if you don't do that, then you're not taking heaven seriously. You're just coming to church on Sunday and hearing an amusing sermon and say, oh, amen, that's good and all that, but it's not making any difference in your life. Why bother? I mean, really. If you just come to church, why bother? It's got to have an impact in your life. It's got to make a difference. Here's a question I ask myself quite frequently. I know what I say I believe, but do I believe what I say I know? I mean, I ask myself, I look in the mirror and ask myself that question. Do you really believe life after life, after this life? Do you really believe in heaven and hell? Do you really believe there are people right now in heaven and hell and you know some and both? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that Jesus is the only way? If you do, Gary, then you'll tell people. You'll try to warn people. You'll try to talk to people about it. If you're serious-minded about this, you will do it. How can you tell if someone really believes or not? That's a question. You have the answers right up there. Faith hears. Faith believes. Faith obeys. Say it with me. Faith hears. Faith believes, faith obeys. That's how you know someone really believes or not. I'm going to take you way back. 
When I was 15 years old, I was a police explorer. Anybody know what police explorers are? They were like a club that you joined and you got to wear a uniform, the exact same uniform as the Daytona Beach Police. You got to wear a badge. It looked like a police badge. The only difference was it said explorer if you got up real close. And so we would drive, we'd get to uh, drive around the car with police officers, learn about police officers, and I thought I was going to become a police officer. At 15 years old, they let some of us older guys, and I was probably about my size uh, at 15 as I am now, except without some of the weight. But, uh, but anyway, uh, so I had this police uniform on as a police explorer, and they hired uh, some hotels on the beach side, Daytona Beach, would hire some of us uh, police explorers just to walk around in the uniform and look like police to be like security guards. And only authority we had was tell people that parked in the hotel parking lots that, that weren't staying there, they couldn't park there. So we kind of, that was all of the authority we had. But we had police uniforms on and it didn't have a gun, but we looked like police officers as far as everybody's concerned. So, you know, the uh, hotel, you know, paid us a little money to be like security guard type things. Well, it was me and another buddy. My buddy he was 16. He had a car back then. How many of you remember a gremlin? <laughs> I, you're my people. Yeah, he had this gremlin, you know. And we're, we're, we're at the Daytona Plaza. The hotel's still there today. And we're, we're at the Daytona Plaza. And across the street is a, is a nightclub. And we're there at nighttime. And it's about midnight. And all of a sudden, out of this nightclub across the street, and, and both of us just kind of standing out there looking around, nothing to do. And uh, this guy comes running out of uh, the nightclub and running down the street real fast, which was really odd looking. And then a moment later, a woman comes out and says, Hey, stop him. He snatched my purse. He snatched my purse. Boom, instantly. Boy, we've been watching enough One Adam 12. We knew what to do. We jumped in his little gremlin car. He's driving, and we're going. There's a tunnel. There's a tunnel down underneath the, uh, by the hotel that you could go to the beach side. You drove through the beach. It's the main drive still there. And so, man, we get in that car, and you know we're police. We're going to get this guy. And we spin out, and we go down through that tunnel. He runs through the tunnel, and we could see him. And and then uh, he starts running into high part of the sand because it's high tide. Well, we come around that, that corner there, and his car gets stuck in the sand because it's high tide. You boom, car stuck. And you know how dumb you can be sometimes? Somebody just tells you to do something, and you don't think, and you do it. My buddy's driving the car. He says, get out and chase him. <laughs> and I'm running. I am running down through the, he's up in the high part of the sand where it's soft. And I'm running after him. And he's probably about from here to that exit sign there. And I'm running and I'm running. And boy, he's flying. And so I, st I stop. I, I yell at him. I said, stop, police. I'm not a police officer, but I look like one. I said, stop, police. He didn't stop. And he's starting to get ahead of me. So I said, stop or I'll shoot. I don't have a gun, but I said, stop or I'll shoot. Faith hears, faith believes, faith obeys. This guy stopped. He stopped like that, and I got to run to catch up to him. I said, don't you turn around. I'll shoot you. Don't you turn around. And I finally get up to him. I said, don't turn around. Don't turn around. Richard, stand up here for me real quick. You be there. 
You face that way. Put your hands up. Face that way. Okay. No. He started to turn around. I said, don't you turn around. Don't you turn around. I'll shoot you. And I put my finger in his back. Don't. 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 You, you stay right there. And I'm, and I'm trying to catch my breath, you know. And lo and behold, thank God, a police car pulled up right, right away. They were right there. They must have seen what's going on. Thank you. And they got out and they handcuffed the guy. And they take him to jail. And man, that was my story. It's like, wow. I caught a a purse snatcher. And I got to go to the courtroom. And the judge asked me to stand up and tell my story. And see, this guy didn't know I was a police explorer until I was in the courtroom. (laughs) And I'm 15 years old. And the judge says, tell your story. I got up and told my story. And you could see that guy over there. He's going, oh, Lord. (laughs) And the judge is laughing. And the people in the courtroom are all laughing. And he says, good good job. You'll make a good policeman one day. (laughs) But what happened? Faith believed. Faith hears. He believed. And he responded. That's true of any faith. You hear it, you believe it, and you obey what is told. You know, our life is going by quickly, folks. It seems like every year Christmas comes earlier. Someone said life's like a dollar. You can spend it any way you want, but once you spend it, it's gone. Jesus said, uh, in, well, he didn't say it himself, but the Word of God says this, Holy Spirit says this in Ephesians 5, be careful, be be careful how you walk. In other words, it's a metaphor for living. Be careful how you spend in your time here. Not as unwise men, but be wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. I, I've said this to, to staff, and I, I say it again to everybody here. I don't want anybody to ever walk on our campus uh, without ever hearing the gospel. And even if they don't have, if it's a delivery man, I want them to at least hear, get a gospel track. Because that's why we're here. To share Jesus, because it makes an eternal a difference. I, I, I spend, I get to meet a lot of people who know they're dying. They have a terminal illness and they pretty much just believe that their time has come. And there are top five regrets that I've heard over the years of people that are dying Top five regrets. Number one, I wished I had lived true to the calling God had for me. Number two, I wish I had not spent so much time working. Number three, I wish I would stayed in touch with my family. As you get older, you grow distant. You don't stay in touch with brothers, sisters, and relatives. Number four, I wish I would let myself just be happier. Instead of being burdened down all the time. Number five, I wish I'd enjoyed people more. I don't want you, I don't want you to die that way. I've got homework for you. Homework. I want to ask you to take a picture of this or write it down. Here's your homework. I want you to get a piece of paper. And I want you to write at the column at the top some columns. God, family, friends, career, finances, physical. And I want you to write down three goals that you'd like to accomplish in each of these areas before you die. There's something about writing it down 
you're more likely to achieve a goal if you write it down on a piece of paper than you are if you just keep it in your head. This is your homework. You're here to make... I'm here, I'm here, God put me here as your pastor to help you prepare for heaven and help you start to really live the abundant life that God wants you to live. And he, he has us here to help you. So I'm asking you, please, do your homework. It'll make a difference. If you're serious about heaven, then you're going to heed this word. This is a word the prophet gave to King Hezekiah. Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. I'm speaking to me as well as you. Set your house in order, for you shall die. You can't say nobody told me. That means you ought to get a will. You ought to decide how you want to divide up your stuff. Even if you do have just a simple will. There's, there's, there's stuff you can go online and create your own will if you have to. But it's best if you have a lot of substance, you need to get a lawyer and write out a will. If, if you're Christian... My recommendation, you ought to leave a tithe to your church. not saying you have to do that. Maybe a little harder to get into heaven. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That has nothing to do with you getting into heaven. But you ought to sit down and write a note like, to your husband, to your wife, you know, talk to her. There was this man who went to one of these seminars, you know, about uh, buying pre-needs, getting, you know, paying for your funeral and things like that, and getting a will. And he came home from this seminar, he was excited. He wanted to sit down with his wife and have an honest conversation. He said, look, honey, I, we just need to talk about these things that we don't like to talk about. If I, if I die before you, you know, I want, to, I want to make some recommendations. I think you ought to live in the house for a year before you make any major decisions. You know, I think you ought to do this and do that and, and whatever. And if you decide to remarry, honey, look, it's okay with me. These are honest conversations. It's, it's okay. And, in fact, if, if you decide to remarry and you, you want your new husband to live in his house, I don't have any problem with that. Don't feel weird about that. It's okay. And you know how I love golf and everything. And look, even your new husband, if you decide to get remarried, if you wanted him to have my golf clubs, I don't have any problem. I just want you to know you're free. And she said, oh, no, I can't do that. And he said, why? He said, because you're right-handed and he's left-handed. <laughs> She was already making preparations. <laughs> well, the truth is, we're going to die. It's inevitable. We don't need to avoid the conversation. We need to talk about it. But if you go into heaven, it's going to be a great thing. It's going to be a glorious thing. In heaven, people are just full of life, man. I tell you, the more I've been preaching about heaven, the more excited I am about it. 
I really am. I look forward to that. And it's very freeing. And it gives you boldness to live boldly here when you know the truth. And I guess my great concern this week in preparing this message is, if, are you serious about heaven? And those top three questions, you'll make sure you're going to heaven. It's not based on emotions. It's not based on having an experience, you know, subjective feelings. A lot of people get confused because they hear these weird testimonies of other people say when they got saved, they heard they felt lightning or they had a feeling or whatever, something happened to them. And that may be for them, but that's not the case. You don't have to have that. It's just a matter of do you really believe what God said or do you not? It's a matter of you believe or you're in unbelief. That's, that's all it is. And when you believe, okay, that's when you're saved. And I just think in my heart and mind that today there are more people who have religious background, who have religious experience. But today the Holy Spirit's quickening to you. You're not saved. I've been amazed over the last few weeks a number of people who were bold enough and honest enough and transparent enough when I called for you to, you know, pray with me and receive the Lord that you stood up in front of people. That's pretty good evidence. Faith hears, faith believes, faith obeys. I'm going to do the same thing again today because it's that important. Especially if Jesus can talk to a multitude of people. With that frightening text, many are going to say to me, Lord, didn't we do this, Lord? And they're deceived. Deceived by religion. But they haven't been born of the Spirit of God. Pastors. People in ministry. I can't tell you how many people I've not been shocked, because I'm almost shockproof anymore, but have been involved in church stuff heavily and they weren't born again I had a deacon in our church in the Baptist church probably one of the most faithful ones I ever had one day I don't know how it happened but revelation boom just he realized I'm not saved when Pam and I were first married I got saved at uh, after boot camp and we started going to church together and we're in this revival service in the evening, and uh, this pastor is preaching about hell. And he preaches a fire and brimstone message. And at the end, he asks people who are not, they don't have assurance of salvation, or you're not, you're not born, you know you're not born again, I want you to stand up and, and come up here. And we, were, we had us all sitting down like this, you know. And I'm sitting next to Pam, and, and and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she stands up. And I said, what are you doing? I said, sit down. He's talking to, he's talking to people that aren't, that aren't saved. Sit down, sit down. And she said, I'm not saved. I said, yes, you are. She said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you're saved. You're saved. Sit down. You're saved. She said, no, I'm not. 
I was trying to talk her out of it. <laughs> and she goes forward, and that was her moment. But I thought she was saved. I just thought she didn't understand. But she wasn't saved. That's her moment of salvation. One of you about to have that now. You didn't come here expecting this today. I know. Isn't it awesome? It's so cool. God is, he's so far ahead of you. He sets you up with things. He's just genius. He's just genius. So let's do God's business here today. More than anything in the world, God wants you to be saved and know you're saved. He doesn't want you to trust in your emotions. He doesn't want you to trust in your religious background. He doesn't want you to trust in your behavior. He wants you to trust in Christ alone that God had to send Jesus, the sinless Savior, to take the punishment for sin and die on a cross because that was our punishment, to be separated from God forever. So Jesus is the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb that takes on our sin. One verse of Scripture that capsulates the whole gospel is this. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. A great transfer. And it only happens when you receive the gift. Salvation is a gift. It's not something you earn. By grace, the ability of God are you saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of any man's works, lest anybody should boast. You have to know that. And then it's easy to receive. As many as received him, to them, gave he them the power, the authority to become sons of God. You have to receive him by faith. Faith hears. Faith believes. Faith obeys. Here we go. The Bible says this. If you believe in your heart, Jesus died, but God raised him from the dead, and he's alive right now. He died in your place, but he's alive. And you confess with your own mouth. Jesus is the one I trust in. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior, my only Savior, my only way to be righteous with God. You say that with your mouth. God says, Romans chapter 10, you will be saved. No ifs, ands, and buts. Faith hears. Faith believes. Faith obeys. I've done all I can do as a preacher. How should they hear without a preacher? I'm the preacher. You're hearing. Now it's your response to that. 
It's the only thing between you and God. It's your free will, your choice. You either choose to believe that and accept that, or you choose not to, and you have free will. Now, with anybody that would like to right now, in fact, all of you, just bow your head, but only those who are just now settling this issue and once and for all going to drive away all your doubts and all your fears and all your questions, settle this issue right now. Pray this out loud with me. Those who are just, just right now doing this. Oh, God, I do believe in you. Say it out loud enough for you to hear yourself. I declare with my mouth and with my faith that Jesus is God, raised from the dead. He died in my place, and he's alive right now. And I ask you to come into my heart, my life, and sit on the throne of my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, my Savior, starting now and forevermore. I receive you. Come on in. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith hears. Faith believes. Faith obeys. And I would urge you to do this, two things. I would urge you, before your emotions or the enemy can try to talk you out of it, I'd urge you to stand up, come forward, stand here with me right now. Drive away all doubt. Do it right now. Right now. Anybody. Right now. You just prayed that prayer? Yeah. See, if you're too afraid to do that, then you didn't really mean it. Amen. God bless you, honey. Good for you. Amen. Come up here with her, honey. Thank you. What's your name? Hey, Colleen. Happy birthday. There's others. Yeah. Stand here with my wife, Pam. That's awesome. Now, look at you. You're... Your faith is real. You know how come? You're standing in front of 300 or so people, and you were not ashamed. You know, Jesus says these words. Jesus says these words. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me that opportunity, I will deny you. It's urgent, sir. I know your heart's beating like crazy. Get up. Face the fear. Get up and come right now and stand with us because you're confessing Christ before men. The devil will hate you for this. But if you stay in your fear, he'll continue to torment you night and day with whether or not you're really saved. 30 seconds. 25 seconds. I'm not going to play games. I know there are others. God didn't have me preach this message to the choir.
Amen, brother. Good. All right. 15 seconds. Isn't it good to have assurance? It's good to have assurance. Good to have assurance. 10 seconds. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay. One day, God closed the ark. Everybody who was going to be saved was saved. One day, time will end. There'll be a last invitation. I warn you, take this message seriously. I urge you, take it seriously. Church, just extend your hands toward Colleen. Just pray for her. You you just pray for her. I don't need to lead you. You just pray for her. Pray for John. Pray for John. They would grow deeper, deeper in assurance of salvation. They'd never doubt again. They would never look to their performance or lack of, never look to their behavior. They would look to the finished work of Christ. He did it all. He paid it all. Salvation has nothing to do with your works. It has everything to do with the work of Christ, the perfect Son of God. I want to ask some men to come around John, just pray for him, assure him. Now, go ahead and stand up for a moment. And uh, there are several of you the last few weeks who have... uh, made professions of faith. I hope you sign up for baptism. And Colleen, I would encourage you to be baptized, honey. Okay, we'll talk about that more. But if you sign up for baptism on our sign-up sheet out front, I'll call you, we'll talk about it, answer any questions, and then at the first of the month, we're going to have baptism. I'd urge you to do that. It's the very first thing Jesus commanded believers to do after they believed in him is to be baptized. It's not to be saved. It is, it is identification. Here's one who really believes and obeys the first thing Judge Jesus tells you to do. I'd urge you to do that. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with your assurance and growing in obedience to the Lord. God bless you. Now, we're going to pray and release you like we normally do. I'm going to ask all of our intercessors to come up. All of you who come on Monday mornings, intercession prayer, come on up and stand up here with me. And uh, all of our altar workers... Just come on up here with me. And uh, like we've done the last couple of weeks, the Lord's still instructing me to do this. There are a lot of people that are hurting here today, and they need ministry. And if that's you, and you need someone to pray with you, then after we dismiss the congregation, if you'll just sit back down in your chair, intercessors will, they're praying right now. They'll, they'll, know who they're supposed to go to the lord will direct them and then they'll come and somebody will come and pray with you and minister to you so if you have something you would like prayer about you don't have to come up here i want you just to sit back down in just a moment and someone will come to you now father i thank you for this congregation everyone just lift your hands up please to the lord we bless you god and thank you we began with prayer we end with prayer we thank you for this house of prayer we thank you for those who've heard 
and who have obeyed. Thank you, God. Thank you for Colleen and John. May they grow in tremendous assurance of salvation. And thank you that you're working on others, even this as we speak. Thank you, God. And now, Lord, I pray your blessing on your people. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace, his shalom, so that you live with a confidence and a boldness to share your faith with your family, with your friends, your neighbors this week. Someone will get saved because you got bold enough to share the gospel. Thank you, God, for the harvest of souls that's coming in. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We're dismissed. Now, if you need prayer, just sit back down and someone will come to you just shortly.